This episode of Karina and Kirsten Get to Work was recorded before the United States Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade. And Kirsten and I were so motivated to speak to this that she's calling in from vacation to record a few minutes before the episode plays. How you doing, friend? Hey, I'm devastated. I'm. It's just hard to talk about it, honestly. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. And I'm so struck by... You know, we did this episode of Iceland about Iceland and gender equity, and it's clear how much they care about their women. And for us to be in this situation where we don't even have autonomy over our bodies, I mean, some of us in some states still do, Washington, thank goodness, but our sisters in other states do not. And that grieves me so deeply. Um, it's been 50 years of precedent that has been overturned by primarily a bunch of men. And I think one woman who masquerades is a man. Yeah. And you know, when we were recording this, listener, when, when you listen to this episode that, uh, about Iceland, we are happy. We are celebrating what this country has done to support women. We are excited about a roadmap for gender equity from the country that is ranked number one, Iceland. And literally days after finishing this episode, we're hit by the news that our own country is eliminating our rights. And uh, Kirsten, you emailed me or texted me that morning and I had was blissfully unaware I hadn't checked my phone. And immediately mm -hmm. when the decision came down and immediately we got on the phone and you said something to me that I've repeated to several other people, which is, you know, there are there are so many this is this has reverberations on so many aspects of our lives. But the mm -hmm. reality of it is that it's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutality against women's bodies mm -hmm. dictated by the courts. Mm -hmm. it, it, it feels so archaic. It feels so wrong. It's so mm -hmm. wrong. And. Mm -hmm. I, I, I matched those tears just on a different day. I, I couldn't stop crying either. And it, and it, it was for all of it was, it was because of the other thing you said to me when we got off the call, which was, we have a lot of work to do, sister. We have, we have a, a lot, lot of work. work to do. And, um, I am motivated to do it. I am. I'm, I'm really discouraged. I'm really discouraged, but you know, there's, there's things you just can't stop fighting for. There's things you just can't stop doing. There is no choice but to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I haven't decided what that looks like, but boy, I'll sure be thinking about it. Yeah. That's all I'm thinking about. What does this look like for me? What is, you know, and I've come up with about 40 super bad ideas. <laughs> um, but I'm, you know, I'm committed. I am committed till the last breath I draw. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And I will say, even just in the short run, we've see, I've seen across social media um, lists and lists and lists of nonprofits that are accepting donations to help provide women access in states where this where abortion will be illegal or choice will be illegal, where women's bodies will be brutally subject to these, this rule. Um, voting certainly is something we also need to do. We speak about that in this episode as well, making sure that the people who represent us in government um, actually represent us. There are also all manner of campaigns and even I've seen uh, corporations come out and 
commit to cover travel costs for their employees if they need to travel out of a, out of a state where um, choice is illegal. And I'm saying even down to the daily decisions that we're making about what businesses we support, we do have a choice. We do have a way to exercise at least something on a small level, um, all all the way up to, again, representation and voting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sad days. It's just sad days. There's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. Sisters, we hope you enjoy this episode and can dream about the day that the United States and perhaps your country can move towards gender equity like Iceland has done. And this was a major blow for those of us in the U.S. Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work... We're figuring out what Iceland does right for women. And apparently it's a lot. It's a lot. Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Krina Hoyer. We are so glad that you've joined us today because we have a hot, hot topic in the hopper. Yes, we do. Gender equity in Iceland. It's going to be some good stuff. It can't. It doesn't get any better than that. It's going to be really good. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be very interesting, not just because I love Iceland. But before we start, I want to acknowledge that we're on the land of the Coast Salish people. It is beautiful and sunny and breezy, and I am grateful for this abundance. So thank you. Um, I also want to check in with you about the crazy idea that our husbands came up with. <laughs> what? the heck hey before we do i also i want to say that uh i'm just sitting here which our listeners can look at me because it's been a while since we were behind the microphones for a variety of reasons vacations and whatnot family events and i just have the biggest grin on my face you weren't looking at me you were looking at your but i just have the biggest oh i'm so glad you're glad to be here i'm really glad to be here today hello we're back in business. Yeah, sorry. No. Interrupted. You have other things to say, though. We I are know. back in business working on the ease, meaning, and joy. Yeah, which is what we're about, right? Right, just right down to the core. Give us the ease, meaning, and joy. <laughs> okay, don't give it to us. We'll work for it, too. Yeah, we'll work for it. We'll figure Absolutely. out how to get it, but we're Absolutely. getting it. Not that if I won't take what you want to give me, but I will also work for and it. And the women in Iceland are getting it. They are. Uh, ease, meaning, and joy, mm-hmm. that is. That's right. And I think they're getting it, too, but <laughs> we'll are. get to that later. Oh, that's right. They we'll are get getting to that it. Later. They're getting all of it. We'll get to that later. But I do want to go back to our husbands. <laughs> so Karina and I had a little social gathering with our spouses, like co-workers do, uh, getting together exactly. outside the workplace. Because that's good. That's good. And they cleverly decided that they were going to do <laughs> a podcast together, Barry and Steve, <laughs> on silence. It was going to be a silent man, silent podcast. Silent men's podcast. <laughs> And Karina asked them, are you going to buy equipment for that? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, you clever, clever guys. I know. You know what's funny is that could probably work. Right? Like, it's like almost like the silence. 
Yes, but it was just so funny. It's like we're we're gonna do a podcast on silence. I we do like, soundboxes. We're so awesome. <laughs> oh my god, really good. And there might have been a couple of glasses of brown liquor before that idea and some came really out. Really good cheese. Yeah, some amazing cheese. There was a lot of good stuff happening. Not that yes. idea. I'd say that idea was not one of the good things. <laughs> but every other thing else that evening was fun. As always, I love socializing with you. Hey, yes. speaking of socializing, can I tell you? I got. I was on the phone with a woman recently. And I just have to do a shout out to Jennifer over at Metcalf Hodges in mm, Bellingham. Yeah. So Jennifer is, turns out, <laughs> I don't know how long of a story I'm going to make this. I'm just trying to cut to the chase. Turns out Jennifer is a woman who owns, along with another woman, a tax accounting firm mm-hmm. here locally. And they do my taxes, but I was introduced to them by somebody else who works with them, not, not one of the two. Um, and so Long story short, recently I had a reason to get on the phone with my accountant who wasn't available. So I got Jennifer on the line. I didn't know anything about her. I'm just like, this is the kind of stuff I'm just like, look, there's a professional over there who takes care of this stuff. That's all I need to know. Right. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the conversation, I realized she's awesome. Like I really like her. I I liked the conversation. She was right on, you know, like very practical, practical, Mm -hmm. full of great information, great advice, telling me this approachable, approachable, everything I love about professional women. And then I later learned she, you know, owns this business and it's women led. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is it sister. I love every, every minute of this conversation. I love you. And we were about to get off the call. And this is what just cracking me up. It's Kirsten right at the uh, end of the call. She said, Oh, Hey, before we get off the phone, I have to ask, are you Krina from Krina and Kirsten get to work? So funny. And I know we talk about listener feedback, you know, it is a topic that we generally will bring up, but I tell you when a powerful competent woman that I feel like I just have a connection with off the bat. I later find out listens to our show and likes it mm-hmm. is a fan. She said, she subscribed. She, I just thought, you know, Oh, that's great. It's so cool. It was so cool on so many levels. You know what I mean? Like the positive feedback and also from a woman. Some synergy who, from, yeah, from, from a fellow, yeah. from a fellow women, woman worker out there. Yeah. Yep. So shout out to Jennifer. I just want to say, and I'm also giving a shout out to Neil, who is a big fan of ours, who has a podcast. Oh, Neil. Thank you. Yeah. He has a podcast here locally uh, from the Bellingham Library. But And he and I had a great conversation about he, his um, affection for our show, too. And I don't, but I, and I don't want to just like transition. Okay. And Neil, blah, 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 back to Jennifer. But I will say (laughs) as much as I love my conversation with Neil, I also, I really want, you know, we're about women Mm -hmm. at work. I love it that men like it. I love it it that men like it. It is to me such a great, interesting thing. Yeah. Um, And it is, we sit in this room and we talk to each other. Yeah. We do a lot of research. We're looking at things. We're thinking about things, but it's, there's so, there's no feedback except from you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's usually like a look in my face, like, uh, what is she saying? No, she's smarter than me again. I have no (laughs) idea how to follow it. But the feedback is really great. Yes. And I've gotten some really constructive feedback from friends too, who say, oh, do this or don't do this. It's just, it's really helpful. Yeah. It is yeah. all very, very helpful. So thanks to those of you who are reaching out recently and certainly, um, I love the strong woman. So, okay. Uh, speaking of strong women, Iceland. Yes. Iceland and strong women. Now, why are we talking about Iceland, Kirsten? Okay. So first of all, <laughs> I love this. I love your sentences. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. If and you can I, see her I hand look up. down, I look down, <laughs> I put my hand up and I say, okay. 
So first of all, I really do love Iceland. I've been there twice. I have this affinity towards it. It's this very interesting country. I really like going there. I really like being there. I feel very at home there. And I saw a book called Secrets of the Spracker by a woman named Eliza Reed. Yep. She is the first lady of Iceland. She met and married a man who was Icelandic when she was going to Oxford. She is Canadian. Mm -hmm. Married him and immigrated to Iceland. He ends up being the president of Iceland. It is the president, right? Not yeah. the prime minister. No, it's the president in a dual sort of leadership position. Yes. So president and prime minister are kind of like prime minister and queen. King. That queen. sounds okay. Or whatever yeah. that is. I wanted to make sure I got that right. She is the first lady. Although they're not a monarchy. But anyway, They're not a monarchy. Correct. Um, he is elected. Yes. And so she is a journalist and a writer. And she turned her attention towards the things that she sees in Iceland that have led to its gender equity. So I picked up this book, basically, because I like Iceland. I love gender equity. Like, that's what we're all about, yeah. gender equity. How do we get gender equity? Yeah. So I was like, this is speaking to me. And it really is a study in how Iceland has become the most gender equitable country in the world. Yeah. Let's just stop for a moment mm -hmm. and just feel what that is. The most gender equitable country, country in the world. Right. Okay. And has been for a while. Yeah, a while. And the reason we know that is because there is something called a gender gap index. And this gender gap index basically quantifies the gaps between men and women in four key areas. So they're looking into health, education, economy and politics. Mm -hmm. And they and they look at data from about 150 countries for select years and they've been doing it since 2010. And they really score uh the level of equity, mm -hmm. access the, the access that women have to resources and opportunities and relative to men. So men's but the men are what men get is the benchmark. And it's published an annually by this World Economic Forum, WEF for short, in fact. Yeah. So it's interesting because there's it's quantifiable. Right? Mm -hmm. They're taking Just a look data. at data across. And Iceland is, like you said, they are ranked number one in the Global Gender Gap Index and have been for years. And in fact, I think 11 years mm -hmm. in a row. Mm -hmm. The U.S. in this, in the most recent um, Gender Gap Index study was at 53 yeah, out of, number, out, out of 150. We're at 53. And number 53. Yeah. So we're in the bottom two thirds. Well, we're in the second third. Okay, but it's still the bottom two thirds. Okay, fair. Um, and, <laughs> and did you know that when you picked up this book? Like, did you know? I know you loved Iceland and you knew, knew that they were doing something right over there with gender equity, but did you realize I to the degree? I did not have the granularity of the data. And I was very interested to find out what it was. Yeah, yeah. H how much gender equity is there? I didn't realize how much there was. I knew it was more than here. Yeah. And I had no idea how it happened. But it's not going to be surprising when we tell you why. No. And I think about I think about equity almost exclusively as pay. And I love that this index looks at other things. Mm -hmm. It's it's access to education or who we're pumping out of the you know higher education who system. Who is serving in government. That's right. Yeah, exactly. What positions people are, like how many women are in um, CEO positions, I'm sorry, or on boards. Mm -hmm. So they're looking who's in Who's in the governing bodies. Yes. Who's been elected. Right. Right. 
what kind of education do they have to health? What are the health outcomes even? Are mm -hmm. the health outcomes for women equal mm -hmm. to men? You know, longevity, um, you know, diseases, et cetera. So it seems like it's a pretty comprehensive thing. And I like that because, and I'll say it again, I think of equity almost exclusively in uh, regards to pay. But on these, on all of these other um, facets. Attributes. What, mm -hmm. Is that a big, better word? They're both good. Bullet points. I think they're both good. Uh, talk about Iceland. Okay. So when we look at what is happening in Iceland um, with women at work, let's look at pay, for example. In Iceland, women's pay is 11% less than that of men. Yeah. Which is markedly better than a 34.4% gap globally, right? Yeah. Um, and in the United States women make 82 cents to the dollar as opposed to the 89 cents that they make in Iceland. Right. Which is interesting. That doesn't seem like that big of a difference, but I think that's that it is when you take a look at the ranking mm -hmm. and those are other factors in there too. Right. Yes. And still, I mean, we're talking about almost 10% difference. Yeah. But Iceland has gotten 10% better than we have. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, and and Iceland thinks they have more room to, obviously, Iceland feels like they've got more room to improve. That's right. In right? fact, I think they've set a target. Well, anyway, we'll talk they more have, about they that. They have set a target. But it's fascinating to me that here's this little tiny island, right? Yeah. Yep. With 300 and some thousand people that has been able to get to a pay get to a pay equity that is just like, that is so, that is so much smaller than everybody else's. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. One of the attributes that is, I find so interesting of Icelandic businesses that they have a tremendous number of women represented on private boards of directors. Mm -hmm. So in the Iceland, women hold a 44% representation on company boards, which is enormous. Yep. Um, and I don't have the stat at my finger, my, my recollection on number of women on U.S. boards in um, is like... Close to zero. Well, I don't know. I think it's like 14. It's, I, the number 14 pops in my head. Does it? Yeah, but they have almost 50%. Now, there's a law in place about that. We might talk about that later. What I really like about this is that 88% of women are in the workforce. Yep. 65% have graduated from university. Um, they hold almost half, women hold almost half of the parliamentary seats in Iceland. They've elected their first female prime minister, and that was in 2009. Yep. Um, it's just really remarkable how close they are. To 50%. Yeah. And again, this index is looking at, at them and all of these other countries. And it's interesting that number one, really, like I said, they are, they are looking at every single place where men could be and probably historically were the majority represent high, high, higher representation, representation higher mm -hmm. pay or a different experience, a significantly different experience than women. And they have made inroads. Are they perfect? Have they added that hundred percent? No, but they are really making a lot of progress. They've actually committed to close some of these gaps. They've identified some specific gaps. They want to close entirely by this year. Yeah. Which I cannot wait to hear if they mm -hmm. do it, but it's also interesting because Iceland is a study not only on things done well, 
but on intentional changes. Mm-hmm. And there's such a great story about really the thing that sparked. This is my favorite yes, thing. Yes, all of this Before change. we get to the thing that sparked it, I have another theory. Oh, okay. So I love it when we read and research and Kirsten comes out with her lawyer brand and goes, yeah. No, I have another theory before we get to that. I know exactly where you're going with this, but there is a word in Icelandic, mm. and I'm not going to say it correctly, spracker. And yes. it means wise, powerful, strong women. Mm-hmm. So there is a word in the English line, in the Icelandic language that means that they have identified it. You know, Brene Brown has this wonderful thing where she says, we can't know our emotions until we can define them. Mm-hmm. Name them. Yeah. Name them. Define yes. them, name them, talk about them, whatever you want to say. I feel the same way about this. Mm-hmm. In the United States, when we talk about a wise woman, it's a, she's a crone. Yeah. Right? She's an yeah. old witch. Yep. Right? We don't have a word for wise, powerful woman. Yeah. Formidable, but, yes. strong. But Iceland, Icelandic, the Icelandic language contains a word. So that's my first, like, wow, that's different. That yeah. the culture has represented, has rep, has recognized a need long ago when their language is in formation yeah. to recognize the power of women. And they have myth, myths oh, about yeah, their stories. Sprecher. Mm-hmm. Like they have long history talking mm-hmm. about their, their, their stories, their stories yeah. of, of these strong, powerful women. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when we talk about why is it this way, there is something in the culture that regards women. Yeah. Inherently. And that has for a long time. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now then let's get to kind of the political act that starts to yes. evoke change, which is what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which happened back in the 70s. I think it was like 1975. And at that time. Two, 205 in the afternoon. Yeah. So at that time, women in the workplace made about 60% less than their, their male counterparts. So in my lifetime, Iceland has gone from. Uh, 60% to what is that? Closer to 90%. 88%. Per, yeah, thank you. But anyway, back in the, in mid in 1975, women were making 60% less than their male counterparts and they were juggling kind of this sounds so familiar. All, all the things, the housework, the kids, the that. Okay. And so for I don't know exactly what sparked it. But on Friday, October 24th, women left their jobs at a very they specific left time. All of their work, whether yes. it was paid or unpaid, whether they were at home, whether they were in a job, a school, a daycare, a hospital, a switchboard, they were gone. Yes. They went on strike. And they chose. It gives me chills. Yeah. Just me gives too. me chills. Me too. So all of these Icelandic women got fed up. Pre-internet, by the way, which I love. I love mm-hmm. organizing. How does even yeah, I love organizing when we're not tweeting or texting. Um, they, they, all the women just say screw this, and they they go on strike, and they went on strike at two o five in the afternoon, and that time signified the time at which they would have earned their day's wage had they been paid the same as a man, right? And they walked out goosebumps for me too. This was actually like twenty five thousand women walked out. Which is a lot of people in Iceland. Yes. Because there's only like 200 and some people there at the time. 200,000. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And in Reykjavik, they believe that 90% of women participated in this strike. Yeah. 
loved it. So the stories about the 75 Icelandic women's strike and of herald these women as heroes and talk about the effect of them walking out. Mm -hmm. The teachers, the, and I guess I should preface this to say they walked out and they didn't go back to work until midnight. So they basically hands up we're done. We're mm-hmm. out. Peace out. And they and they left things hanging until midnight. So daycares were closed and all of the dads had to deal with their kids that didn't have care. Yep. Schools were closed. They had to deal with kids not in school. Like the all the typesetters for the newspapers at the time were women, so there were no newspapers. Yeah. Uh, like you said, switchboards went down. All mm-hmm. the wa- mm-hmm. women walked out of there. Uh, nobody's cooking, nobody's doing, you know, the work at home, etc. In fact, there's even tales of uh, easy to cook meals at the grocery store and sweet, like running out. Of right. People things. not like men not being able to get to get food at the store. Yeah. Because yeah. there was nothing easy to prepare. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, and. In that, because of that uh, strike, really, they elevated this issue to a national issue. And um, in the year following, they they triggered some pretty significant uh, changes. Iceland mm-hmm. set up a gender equity council and passed a gender equity act, which basically prohibited gender discrimination in the workplace and in schools. Mm-hmm. And so these women, and by the way, men, or it was later called the Long Friday. I love it. I love Friday. And they did achieve their goal of basically paralyzing the country. Yeah. And sparked just a year later, this pretty significant and new legislation. I love that it wasn't just, it wasn't just once, it wasn't just teachers on strike or it wasn't just, and I love that it was also, it was formal and informal labor. Mm -hmm. It's like, we are not doing a goddamn thing. Yeah. Right. Till midnight. I would like to raise your attention to the contribution we make. <laughs> That's what they said. I'd like to raise your attention to the contribution we make. That sounds so, that's so civilized. I love it. And boy, did they ever. Mm-hmm. And boy, did they ever. Yeah. And so I I feel like, but, you know, you've got that some that concept of this regard for powerful women in the culture. Then you have this kind of act of civil disobedience that leads to this legislation. And so now let's talk about the other things that they've done to kind of make real this Long Friday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To continue their work on the Long Friday. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this we got straight from the book. Oh, yeah. Most of this is from the book. And again, it's this really wonderful book. Eliza Reed, First Lady of Iceland, Secrets of the Spracker. It's I loved it, of course. I just loved it. It's a great book. I encourage everybody to read it. I had Karina read it. It's just a great book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I dinked around in some other places, too. But I just this was really our main source uh, for this yeah. For this conversation. And she talks about one, you know, she kind of lays out some of these key points, as you said, and some of the some of the ways that Iceland has moved towards gender equity. And one of them is really by recognizing that you ha- that women that you need to provide. We need to provide care for children. Mm-hmm. We need to provide not only care for children, but also care for mothers and fathers of newborns so that the family unit is strong. And she talked about stories. She told a story about how she, I think they have four kids. She has four children. She and um, Gundin have four children. And they were having children almost without not, okay, this makes it sound bad. Like they didn't have a second thought. Like when we, when I made 
made the decision to have kids, and I think a lot of people do this, it's like, what can I afford? How much time can I take off? Can I get them into daycare? How am I going to take care of them? Because I'm going to have to work. Who's going to do this? How are we going to manage all of it? How are we even going to bank PTO so one of us can stay home with an infant? All of that, right? And in Iceland, the commitment to supporting parents and also helping parents raise their children by in a variety of ways, they were able to have kids without having to make any of those calculations. Yes, there that is exactly right. I think that the thing she talks about first is, for example, health care, mm-hmm. right? When you are pregnant, you go to the doctor and she went to the doctor because that's what she's used to doing. And her doctor said, yeah, I don't really do that. What we have here is this whole program of midwives and doulas. And you just pay your $5 and you get your care. And if anybody thinks you need me, I'll be right in. Yeah. I mean, so it's this amazing, simple system where you pay $5 and you get health care. Yeah. So, and if you're getting, you want birth control, you can get birth control. If you're pregnant, you can get really good um, prenatal care and uh, maternity care. So that was the first thing she called out. She said, we really take good care of women's health. Mm-hmm. We regard our women, we take good care of women's health. I loved that. Yeah, I did too. And then the second piece of that is the time off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like people need, parents need time off. And I, she says this in the book. She says, she doesn't say, um, helping helping moms helps us all. She says helping parents helps us all. Yeah. So she focuses on a lot of this stuff is for women, but it's for parents. Yeah. There is just as much paternity leave as there is maternity leave. Yeah. There is no stigma. There's she I guess she would say there's a little stigma still on men taking leave, but she's very little. Yeah. And it was also interesting because this is a the um healthcare is government sponsored, mm-hmm. right? Socialized medicine. And then the paid leave is as well. She Which said is to, right, great. To, so to eliminate the stigma and to release the burden, to like essentially take the burden off your employer for providing this, this the government says, the state, I guess, or the nation says, when you have a kid, here's what we do. And so as, it, a, community, as a community, here's how we support you. You don't have to go and ask your boss yeah. to pay your six months leave. We're all going to do that as our bigger community, which I love. That way, that person that's taking the leave isn't seen as somebody who's costing the company a ton of money. That's right. Which, I mean, and honestly, the the healthcare thing, same thing. Like women who are in the workforce, as we know, we face a lot of bias because we even the perception that we might get pregnant makes it hard for us to get promotions or oh get my hired. gosh absolutely when we have to go to a doctor's visit because you are pregnant when you have to take time off because you're you having have a, a baby newborn. god forbid you take maternity leave you, we are less than right mm-hmm. we are sh- frequently shamed we are held back from rights the mommy tax or whatever you call it and so the the this legislation essentially eliminates that Yes, have the health care that you need. Yes, we're not going to shame you or stigmatize a natural thing that your body is designed to do, you know, and we're going to support the parents because we know that strong communities are built by strong families. The other thing that I love about this is it's really based on statistics and data. The thing that Iceland found out is that when when they really encourage dads to take leave because they they their data says that when parents take when dads take, sorry, when dads take leave, they end up being more involved around the house. Mm-hmm. They end up being more involved with their children over the long term, and they end up having better relationships with their children. Mm-hmm. So 
they also found out that boys that have dads who are regularly engaged with them mm-hmm. have fewer behavioral problems and girls who have dads who are engaged with them have fewer psychological problems. So they start this at a very early age. Dads, go home, stay with your kids, get involved because we can see this entire childhood of benefits leading up to adulthood. Exactly. If you, Papa, take some time off. Yes. And if you, Mama, don't feel like you're less than because mm-hmm. you're, um, you have these, yeah, physiological yep. needs, I guess. I mean, that's a weird way to say it, but you know, yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like we're, we're there. We've said it. Yep. And it's, it's, I, I th- and this goes all the way through. Yeah. This philosophy goes all the way through. It goes through to childcare. So there are neighborhood child care centers that you send your kid to. Right. And they're all over the place and they are, they're just like everything else. They're provided for you by the state. Yeah. And when you go into pre-K, there are, kinder, you know, pre-K and then, then you get into elementary school and there's after school programs and all of this is provided by the state. Yeah. And it would seems to be like people would just be, oh my gosh, that's too much. Why is that too much? Why can't we extend our educational system, which we currently have now, yeah. from K through 12 to pre-K through 12? Right. Why can't we do that? Yeah, I don't know. And it, and Or pre-K through post-12. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but, and, and it's also interesting because, again, I don't have the st- statistics off, you know, at the tip of my tongue here, but we are paying no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're, as community, like you said, it might be too much. Uh, your taxes are going to care for the, they're either going to care for the kids in an, in a proactive way and care and their, and all of our health and on a, and all of our investment in family and community, or we're going to pay on the other end with more police and more social services mm-hmm. and jail and yada, yada. And so you're paying one way or the other. I mean, I'm not saying and people really, who don't have a dad at home go to jail, but right. I'm saying like their value system says, let's get, let's get out mm-hmm. in front of this. Let's get out in front of it. But what I also love is regardless of what your political view is on this, the data is very clear that this is how you get women in the workforce and happy doing it. Right. Because- Iceland has 88% of their women in the workforce. The United States has like 57%. Yeah. So we have lost 32% of our workforce. Like we don't get the economic value of that, mm-hmm. right? Everybody complains, oh, there's nobody to apply for these jobs. Nobody will take these jobs. Well, I wonder why, Yeah. right? So regardless of your political view on this, it just feels from an economic standpoint. Right. I'm like, these things get women at work. These things get women and productive, work. happy, engaged. Everybody moving forward. That's right. You know the other, a couple of the and what the other thing. Can I can I talk about strength and sisterhood? Oh, Are you this ready is to go great. There? Yes. The other one of the other things that she mentions, and I maybe it's a product of the spracker. We think we're pronouncing it correctly. Well, yeah. We looked it up. Come on, Icelandic is very difficult. It's the to best pronounce. we can do. All right. It's like cracker with a sp. Um, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We're trying. We're, that's what we're doing. That's what we do here. We just make shit up. We I just told try. You that. No, we try. I know. I'm, <laughs> I make shit up. Um, okay. But they also have this really strong history and tradition, I guess, of um, women's organizations. So women intentionally supporting one another, creating affinity mm-hmm. groups, if you will, used to be like neighborhood. I mean, um, 
towns, towns or villages or vill- would get together and knit and do whatever in the olden days when they were separated, you know, because it yeah. is a big country. People yeah. are far apart. There's a lot of rural people. Yeah. And so they had these women's groups where they would knit for the hospital or do whatever, right? Get together for mm-hmm. tea. Mm-hmm. And that is also expected. You know, it's here, I think the equivalent of that would might be a, the book groups, the, you know, or book clubs or whatever. That, that but not everybody's in those. Uh, not everyone. But this is an expected thing that you get together with other women and support each other. And even as like in Reykjavik, when that kind of old fashioned way of doing things has changed, there's still a culture of women getting together to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, sports. Eliza Reed talks about like, you know, yes, yeah, sports, cold water swimming, different kinds of volunteer work or interest groups or whatever. But there is this culture of women being together and supporting each other. Yeah. Which I just, of course, just want to just eat up. Yeah. I just think it's great. Yeah. It, which is, you know, I guess counter to some other situations. I can think of um, my own youth where w- women competed with women. Right. And, you know, far more than they collaborated, collaborated. or supported. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, again, good for women and good for the the economy, good for the mm-hmm. workforce, good so, for the experience. Reason number two, why is Iceland doing so good in gender equity? Because they have a strong sense of strength and sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. This is the one I love. Number three. <laughs> yeah. So the third thing that Eliza Reed points to is why is it that Iceland is doing so well in gender equity is stigma-free sexuality. Yeah. I love this. This is so foreign to me and so uncomfortable for me. <laughs> like there's this wonderful story about this 16 year old girl that Eliza tells in the book. And she says, oh, yeah, my parents are really strict. Like if I bring a boy home and he spends the night, I have to introduce them to him the next day. <laughs> She's 16. She's 16. And <laughs> Eliza very, you know, right out there says, there's something called the Reykjavik handshake because there's so much promiscuity in Reykjavik. The Reykjavik handshake is like gonorrhea. I know. Isn't that It's hilarious? an STD. Yeah. And she talks about, they, we have a lot of STDs. People are having a lot of sex, right? And there's like this thing called the free nipple society, right? Yeah. And the there's deception. Which is like women don't, we're not wearing bras. Yeah, I, th- I believe so. I think so. I, I didn't look in, but there's all of this like, and what the part of this that's, you know, that is not uncomfortable to me is the transgender piece. Yeah. Like transgender people just don't get anybody's attention. They're just humans, right? Mm-hmm. They're just humans. This woman who is a transgender activist from Iceland spends some time, most of her time in England. And she was saying in the book, she said, you know, when I come back to Iceland, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine, transgender. I mean, when I'm in England, I'm constantly battling, but it's great here. So I just wanted to say, like, there is a lack of judgment around sexuality. Yeah. And and that applies also to women. Yes. Right? That is that is the other thing, because I think here, at least in the U.S., they, you know, there's a pretty decent uh, stigma free sexuality for men. Yes, but not for women. For not for women. Not for women. Yeah. No. Which all of these things to me signal, hey, ladies, you're okay. Who you are and who your gender is, uh, you know, is... Who you want to sleep with when. you want to sleep with when. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and why, whatever your yeah, reason. The yeah. fact that you're making babies, the you know, the, the fact that you want to get together with other women and support each other, that's all great. Because who you are is great. 
And it's a different, it seems to me like a kind of a foreign signal to send women. Mm-hmm. Right. It was really interesting reading that book, how much I was like, oh, oh my God. You know, it's interesting Compared to my own experience. Yep. This is different. It's, it's very interesting. Even about dressing, you know, there's like they did a slut walk that, in 2010 where, I mean, if you look at the pictures, it's extraordinary. Naked women, <laughs> barely clothed women. I mean, it's like slut city. And <laughs> the purpose of the slut walk was to stop shaming women who were the victims of sexual abuse and rape. Yeah. So it's like, I can dress like this. Do not slut shame people. Yeah. And I have things around provocative dressing because I know what it attracts from our culture and how it distracts from what women have to say. Yeah. And I realized when I was reading this, oh, I get why creating some freedom around sexuality then frees up women. Yes. Because we're the ones who carry those constraints. Yeah. Not men. No. We do. Right. We carry the puritanical, Victorian, whatever you want to call. Yeah. So this is, I guess, now we're at thing number thing number three. Yeah. Which is, hey, stigma-free sexuality. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that this all translates into equity for women mm-hmm. and equity for women at work mm-hmm. and in health mm-hmm. outcomes and in, right? in government and in government, mm-hmm. like all and of in this, bu- and in business, and in business, all the things, education. Yeah. And it is so foreign. I would never have ever connected sexual freedom with gender equity. Yeah. And Me I, neither. I, I, and I think I probably should have, and I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't. But I really think after seeing, sometimes you got to see it to believe it. Yeah. And after kind of seeing what has happened in Iceland and what it has led to, now I get it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh, that's right. When we don't have to wear these chains around sexual, female sexuality, mm-hmm. we get to be freer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then we get to participate with more that fully. freedom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the point I think you were making earlier, which is all of this is good for women and good for the economy. That means we free up a vast majority of our workforce to be part of the workforce. Their it creativity, our, their it, energy, right? their we, engagement. We get diversity of mm-hmm. ideas. We get to see new we get to, you know, we get, and the and we get to, we women get a seat at the decision-making table, mm-hmm. right? We're, and we're, you know, we're seeing other people trying to make decisions for our bodies in the U.S. right now mm-hmm. and always have. Yeah. And so it's so, yeah, this is, it has been fascinating to me to sort of not only understand what they're doing, but to make those big cognitive leaps towards how is this not only good for women, but how is what's good for women good for everyone? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing uh, that she does mention really is more directly tied to work. And that is really claiming she calls it claiming the corporate purse strings. And, you know, that's really where Iceland has been making big inroads in pay equity, as we've already said. They have mandatory board membership um, for on on between corporate just call corporations. Out here. In, in 1999, 9.5 percent of their board members were women. And these are private corporate board members. Yeah. Were women. In 2017, they were to 33%. Because of this legislation. Because of this legislation. By the way, this legislation has no penalty on it. Mm. 
it's legislation that you're required to meet, but they haven't adopted yet a penalty. And as I said before, now they're up to like 44% as of last year. Mm -hmm. And the question is, will they decide to push further and say, well, now you're going to get penalized. But I love it that they could actually adopt a law that says this is what we want you to do. And people are actually doing it. Yeah. They also have a law about proving that you pay you 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 have equitable pay mm-hmm. so there there is some accountability there is there. a requirement that you be able to show that your pay is equitable not yeah. that somebody be able to show that it's not yes that's how we do it yeah 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 we say prove it's not yeah beyond than, a, yeah then prove that it but, is yeah, by a preponderance of the evidence or whatever it is reason whatever prove that this is this is unfair, this is inequitable, but it's the other way there. You have to actually show that you're creating a pay system that is equitable. Yeah, but so again, those are more of a direct, direct um, and kind of clearer line, which I need sometimes, frankly, to how do we get closer to women, um, to equity, like I said, for pay and and women's participation in the workforce. Mm -hmm. But all of the things we've already said are clearly making that possible as well. It's just to me one of these like, okay, so this is the formula, right? This is the formula. You take care of women's health. You take care of parents. You take care of children. Take care of children. You, you free up sexuality, right? Yeah. You get clear about what you're doing with money in your workforce. I mean, there's just these. And you set it as a priority. I mean, after that 1975 strike, the legislature, like, you know, the decision makers and lawmakers were like, holy shit. All right. We are going to actually memorialize this. We're going to set targets. We're going to establish committees. Mm -hmm. We're going to make, we're going to walk our talk with our laws and our regulations. We're going to hold accountability on a short timeline. And I love it that they actually set goals. Yeah. They actually commit to set a goal. And there are some other things that um, Eliza Reed talks about in the book as well that she says lead to gender equity. She talks about women in the wild you know, and how that kind of affects women's experience, because it is a wild, you know, they're at sea fishing, they're out in the plains, sheeping, whatever they do, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's a wild place. Um, She talks a lot about to art as an instrument of equality. So I mean, those the things that you and I talked about are the things that kind of make us sing. But she also does call out that culturally, there are these other parts of Icelandic culture and life that really support more gender equity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as we are uh, in all episodes, just exploring topics and trying to figure out what we're going to take, what we can take away or what steps we as individuals might be able to take or collectively can take. You know, I think for me, this is this has reinforced something we've said all uh, several times already on the show, which is, you know, you have to like economic development, like women's issues, Mm -hmm. investing in things that benefit women is economic development, is economic development, Mm -hmm. it's infrastructure, shifting the narrative. This is not social services. These are economic services, you know, shifting the narrative and also shifting how nobody would call a road system a social service program, right? Right. Um, I don't even think anybody would call a school, a school, an educational system, a social service. You know what I mean? And when I look at all of these things that get women to work and the differences between the number of U.S. women who are able to get into the workforce versus the number of Icelandic women who are able to get in the workforce. The one thing I also want to call out before we end this, it's got me all cranked up, too, is we know 
from an economic perspective that when your population growth goes negative, mm-hmm. goes under, you know, the two people or whatever, yeah. that your economy when will you stop replacing yourself. Exactly. Your economy will die. Right. Because Uh, it's shrinking. It will surely atrophy and get smaller and smaller and smaller. So in order to really I'm not saying we should grow humans till the end of the world, but you need to have a certain amount of a you need to have a birth rate to keep your economy going. And that's something that Iceland's also been able to do. I Mm -hmm. think their birth rate is 2.2. Yeah. Which is better than anywhere else in Europe and better than here. Yeah. And I just think when you look at these things, it's like, oh, this is all working. We have actually an example of it working. Is it perfect? No, but it's working. And it, I'm like you. This is really confirmed for me. The things that we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. that is right. Yeah. And I'll say in, in closing, the thing that all of us can do in the coming couple of months is vote. Be- oh, my gosh. Yes. The people who represent us in the, at the decision-making bodies, state, city, state, county, county level, federal, yep. federal, are making decisions about policies that impact all of us. And if they're not, you should get on them to do that. That's right. And so participating in the system that we have and making your voice heard and ensuring that those who are making these decisions represent you and your values is a very clear line. And I know it's, you know, just getting into summer and it doesn't feel like election season. Oh, it's right on the corner. primaries are coming up. Yeah. You know, fall election season is right around the corner. Get involved. Ask critical questions. Go to the political fundraisers and ask your representatives how they feel about these and things. And I would venture, as opposed to asking, I would do some telling. Yeah. Ooh, right? Yeah. This is what I'd like to see. Yeah. These are the things that we need yeah. to have a healthy, robust community and economy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I am inspired by the Spracar. Uh, Spracker. Spracker. Oh, my God. Me Spracker. too. Um, thank you for suggesting the, the yeah. book. Thank you for doing it with me. I know it's just because partly I love Iceland, but it's also amazing. I know. I'm going to the next Free the Nipple March. <laughs> I'm going to the next Slut Walk. Uh, all right. Thanks for Thanks, listening. Thanks, listeners. Take care. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 